RPG Pop Club. RPG Pop Club. RPG Pop Club. RPG Pop Club. Yeah! Hi, I'm Philip Sokoloff. <laughs> I'm Sarah Nicole Carter. And this is RPG Pop Club. Each week, we play a Star Trek tabletop RPG adventure, and then we review it. What are we playing today, Philip? The Natural Order. Oh, phew. Okay. We're, today, we're playing The Natural Order. And we're joined by one of our players, John Jarvis. Good to have you with us, man. How are you? I'm doing all right, man. How are you guys? Fantastic. And since, uh, since you crashed Ava's last episode, Ava's here to crash your episode. Oh. Hey, Ava. Uh, hi, guys. How's it going? Fantastic. Well, awesome. guys... This is season two. Can you believe it? Bear, bear, bear. Season two. We've done Woo. 10 episodes in the first season. It was all the adventures of the USS Cody um, and just regular Star Trek stuff. Great fun. And we did a, an interview with Michael Scott, game, legendary game designer. Mm -hmm. A lot of fun. And we did a video about uh, the rules that we've been using. You can find that all on RPGPopClub.com. And we just want to say thank you to all of our listeners and everyone who's made comments. Um, you guys have just uh, really pumped us up by saying many really kind remarks, and we really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yes, agreed. Echo that. Thank you so much. We appreciate you listening, and we appreciate every email, every comment. You guys are great, dear listeners. And a special thanks to our, our um, Patreon supporters. Um, you guys know who you are. You're really awesome. And um, yeah, we enjoy hanging out with you on the Discord and wherever else. Absolutely. Well, I'm really excited about this episode, you guys, because usually we watch, an, we watch a Star Trek TV show episode and then we play the game. And so we talk about that. For this one, we've read a book. This is The Final Reflection by John M. Ford, published in 1984. And it's, of course, a Star Trek, like, official tie-in book. Um, and I'm, I'm so excited because um, this is just like, we're like a book club, you know, <laughs> that talks about, like, pop culture now. <laughs> it's like amazing. a RPG book. pop club, club book club. Book club. Book club. Yeah. yeah. Just give me, give me you, all you guys who read it, let's go around. Tell me just like one thing you loved about this novel, John Jarvis. I liked how it um, drew me into a little more insight on being a captain for uh, actually being the captain as we did the clean on adventures. That was kind of one of the big things I really liked. Um, the, I mean, this book is so jam packed with such amazing things. You can't just pick like one, like I can't just pick one. I mean, from the very start, um, it really kind of drew me in. It's a good book. Ava, go. I loved how I just love getting immersed in Klingon culture and, and really seeing what it's like. Because just from the perspective of the original series, it's just, oh, Klingons are bad and malicious and evil. And it was just kind of nice to see their side a bit and see how they think. And it was very fascinating. Sarah Nicole. This book was hard to get into. When I first started reading it, I was like, what even is this? And then 
three chapters in, I guess, I was hooked. This is, this is the best thing I've ever read. And I cried at the end and had all the emotions. And it was a journey. And I just thought it was so well written and such an interesting book for the short, uh, like the brevity of the actual book. Like, I don't know how many pages it is. It's not that long. And About again, like echoing Ava, there's so much in there. So many fun details. It's such a neat exploration of this culture that we hadn't seen before and just fun interesting moving just really good book like 10 out of 10 would read again four factor score 10 go read it yeah and i always heard that this was the best star trek novel ever and i was always kind of like eh, i don't know you know it's about klingons why do i care about klingons and i'm sure many people have that had that um perspective it was 1984 and like Ava said there was only so much info about Klingons out there at that time just a few like they were kind of stock villains in the show and and John cut right to the idea of this was necessary for us to know how to play Klingons you know within the 1984 I guess version of, of Klingons because we know how to play Starfleet characters because we've seen so much of them in the show. This really lets us kind of get into the skin of the Klingons and how they think and what their culture is like. It's just so rich. And, and we'll get back to that idea of like how he builds just flavor of what their culture is like. But, but just as a novel, there's so much going on in it. It was the only novel at the time, which was not just, you know, about Kirk, Spock, and McCoy aboard the Enterprise and just kind of following the format of a, of a Star Trek episode. It, it, set, it set some time before the original series, maybe 60 years, something like that. It set some time in the past. And it's all about Klingons. And it starts, like Sarah Nicole says, Kind of like, you're like, eh, I don't know, what is this? It's boring, I don't get it. But the first chapter is just kind of explaining their version of chess, which they call Klinja. And the way they, they explain it is they, they play it like where the, the actual Klingon characters are playing a live game where they're playing as the chess pieces in this game. And so you kind of get to learn the rules and just like what this game is like. And then um, while that's going on, there's these other characters who are the players, right? And, and they're manipulating this game. And, and that sort of sets the stage for the background conflict uh, of the novel, which is there's basically like a, a pro-war faction and an anti-war faction to, to keep it on simple terms. Um, there's a faction that, that really wants to expand the Empire, because they're kind of boxed in on all three sides between the Federation, the Romulans, and this other race on the far end of the Klingons called the Kinshaya. Um, and then there's another like anti-war faction, which doesn't believe in that. And then the second chapter gets into that idea um, of why you don't want war, because um, the second chapter is like, where our hero gets uh, adopted and he's being taught by this elder um, named Keitha Sepetai Kamara. And, and he, um, he's like a chess master or a, a Klinja master. And he's, 
like really showing them, showing him through this reflective game, um, which is which is a version of Klinja where you're kind of playing against yourself and every loss that you inflict upon the enemy you're really inflicting on yourself. And, and he throws away like the chess pieces as you lose them. And so, so he's like, you really need to feel the cost of the war. Many people never learn this idea that there are real losses in a war. And so there's that, 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 that theme of reflection keeps coming back where the Federation is a reflection of the Klingons. Both sides have both anti-war and pro-war factions. Both sides have this conflict between should we constantly expand or should we not expand? Um, and both sides have, like they're trying to start a war and the other side saying, no, we should not have a war. And so um, that's kind of the theme of the book. And the, the main character, his ship is called Mirror, and that has to do with the whole reflection. Um, so it's a really cool book, nine chapters, and each chapter is like a different level of the chess game. And it's all like su super tightly structured to where you kind of have to read through the whole book to understand what's going on in the beginning, and then go back and read the beginning to understand what you just read about the ending. And it all ties in together. There's so much like cool stuff in this book it's worth it. It's dense. It's, it has a lot of details you might not notice on the first read. And you go back and you, you realize some of the connectivity has been there since the very first chapter. Really good. Um, I, I can't recommend it highly enough. It, it definitely um, makes you want to read it a second time once you get through it to kind of catch some of those, some of those details you didn't before. Um, it was definitely a great, the second go around. Uh, the only suggestion I'd make to any, any new reader, because you may not know this, is as Klingons go up, their names change. The first letters of the names change. So, so if you don't catch yeah. that, you don't know. You're like, wait, who's this? What, what, what? Is this the same name? And so it took a minute, you know? Yeah, no, a that's a good point. That's a really interesting point. A lot of readers... They can read the whole novel and not really catch why they do that, but they explain it in the RPG. So the author of this novel was buddies with the authors of the, the FASA Star Trek RPG, Guy McLemore and uh, Greg Payline and Dave Teepool. And so all four of them together wrote this Klingon source book and the modules that we're about to play. And, and so that's really cool. And um, I don't really think you need to read the source book except this one part which explains all of the Navy characters have their names starting with a K. All the Marines, their names start with M. And then there's characters whose names start with A and they're administrators or scientists. And so once you, once you realize that, that when he changes his name from Vren to Kren, he's not like assuming a new identity. He's just kind of, he's become an official Naval officer. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think it's important detail. I think if you didn't know that, You'd, you'd be confused, right? I think it was confusing when we started playing because I was like, wait, what? Like, yeah. how does this work? You know? He takes, he, the back to the novel, he takes so many elements from the show, um, just like little details about the Klingons that you can find in the shows. The fact of, like, in Heritage of Mercy, they, they use surveillance in everything, right? And so he talks about that as it makes it just like a, an intrinsic element of Klingon culture, that they're always being surveyed, surveilled by their intelligence core, and um, that really affects how they live. 
and draws contrast to the Federation. The Federation doesn't do surveillance. Um, there's Kor's disdain for a culture which will not fight in that episode, and that's a huge thing. They have this concept of the Kuv, the the just like slave races who just like are are not in, in their belief inherently unable to become empires. They have that idea of Komerex Nalkesterex. You're either an empire, a structure which grows, or you're a slave, right? And um, and that's kind of a source of conflict in the book because, um, well, the characters kind of wonder: is that really true, or is that is that something that our culture just teaches? Um, in in one of the episodes, there's silent transporters that the Klingons use, and so they get into that in the book that they have that technology in advance of the Federation. Um, in the, in the series, there's, of course, the smooth-headed Klingons. And in the movies, there's the bumpy-headed Klingons. And how does he deal with that? This idea of fusions, that there's, like, all kinds of genetic experimentation going on. And some of them are, like, part human. And those are the ones that they put out on the Federation frontier. There's some who are part Klingon or part Romulan uh, Klingon fusions. And there's a character named Kelly who they're like, we don't even know what she is a fusion with. And that's a thing that runs throughout the whole book where they're trying to figure that out. And you can read the whole book and be like, I don't know. They, they figure it out, but they don't tell you. But they can go back <laughs> in the first chapter. There's like a small hint where they hint that she's like an Orion. And I think that's probably what she is because there's a whole thing about how the main character has a, a fixation on Orions. So, I don't know. So cool. And then they tie that in with Spock being a half human, half Vulcan, and and how that ties in with the, the Klingon fusion experiments that the, the Vulcans have then perfected that technique and been able to create Spock that way. So a lot of this has become like non-canon or whatever, but you know, uh, like it's great literature and you just gotta love it for what it is. Um, just this great tying together of ideas. When you say it's become non-canon, can you speak to that a little more? Like there's been in the in the later TV shows alternate explanations for the bumpy headed and smooth headed um, syndrome. We're speaking of the Discovery episode. That's stupid. Um, Enterprise, I think. Oh, is it? Um, yeah, not Discovery. I apologize. Enterprise, yes. Engineer Eric is nodding his head aggressively. Yeah. Eventually, yeah. I guess it's not a complete repudiation. They, they talk about it being basically a genetic experiment um, related to the um, con augments, you know, yep. so it's kind of a similar idea. Um, yeah, so them? much the in this book, they create a whole Klingon language called Klingonaz. And, and in the franchise, there's been a whole different Klingon language developed called, well, I, don't, I don't know how to say Klingon whole, basically, it's, it's, it's that like really choppy language that they use going back to the, the motion picture. And they include that in the book by calling that battle language and saying Klingonaz is more of their like their everyday language. And they have that like short uh, uh, clipped language just for battle. And I don't, I don't think the franchise has kind of picked that up, unfortunately, but you don't see a lot of talk about people uh, about Klingons drinking juice or taking baths in the franchise. It's all about the baths. It's all about the baths. 
That might have been something we decided was very important. Well, it it happens all the time. Like, Captain will just be in the bathtub napping. He's, like, napping in the bath. He's not just, like, in the bath. He's sleeping in the bath. And and someone comes in. They're like, "Uh, Captain, we need you for this. And he's like, okay, yes, come in. And we will chat while I'm in the bath. Have to wake. Like, (laughs) multiple times. I think we as a group noticed that way too much of the story takes place in a bath and yes. anytime they're having a drink it's juice everybody is obsessed with drinking juice and not like fun juice like we're talking straight up an orange juice situation right or whatever fruit <laughs> is available right? and- wait wait i think orange juice is fun well <laughs> yeah sure sure they, they do talk about that i think that's just the main character's own thing where he's like this is apricot juice and it's it's blood thick and blood rich and he just loves it they also drink coffee and they also drink uh black ale they love to talk about all their uh, their drinks and the Um, baths yeah they come in like a room and they're like ah is there anything like a bath around here and they they see this like enormous bath right and they're just like okay we're supposed to do all this diplomatic conference but uh we should probably uh check out this bath to make sure it's safe yeah <laughs> so there's a lot of humor in the book too i'm not sure that i wouldn't have the same reaction to seeing the giant bath i'd be like i gotta get in that yeah i, um, I would engineer eric just uh messaged me something very important to this discussion he said Guinan introduces Worf to prune juice and he fucking loves it in the next generation so hmm. that is more evidence that juice is a very important part of klingon culture and that is canon, friends. And it's also part of everybody's uh, daily nutrition. Make sure you drink your juice, people. It's all sugar. It's all sugar, bro. No, it's no. It's all sugar, bro. <laughs> hey, you get you, you just eat the fresh fruit. Believe right, me, I, I got a, a major juice kick after reading this. <laughs> you get that, like, uh, Belgian juice, you oh, know. In the carton? Yeah. Oh. oh they have, like, the banana juice and peach juice and, and apricot juice and pear juice. Feel glass bottles. Phil, you used to always drink pineapple juice. So I'm pretty sure that you were part Klingon, always. <laughs> Just like I say, I'm part Hobbit, always, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Phil's part Klingon. Um, I guess. Fusion. I, <laughs> fusion. I. Uh, so the next generation Klingons, I feel like that culture is built out so much. Right. How much of that is from this? any of it do we cite this as a source i guess you could say before this there wasn't really this this concept of it being an honor based culture Mm -hmm. and i don't know how much of that is just inevitable when you take a warrior culture that's just stuck villains and you try to rehabilitate them and and um i don't say humanize but make them relatable that they would uh give them an honor code which is what drives their warrior society so that might just be kind of like an obvious thing to do, or it might be at least partially in, in inspired by this. Um, but I mean, I can't really speak to the next generation side. You guys would have to say how much it repudiates it. I think one major way it repudiates is the age thing, because in the books, Klingons age super fast and they live super short lives in this book. And I think it went, went the opposite way in the show. I think that they present Klingons in the next generation as being like brilliant tactical minds 
right? Being mm -hmm. able to negotiate and be diplomats and really incredibly intelligent with strategy and tactics. I felt like this book, clearly we're talking about chess as a metaphor that runs through the entire book, right? So mm -hmm. that seems like a big idea in this novel that I think built them out a little bit more because you could be a warlike society with an honor code and still be like brute force or, um, you know, prizing brawn over brains. And I feel like the Klingon culture in the next generation is both, right? Like prizes being crafty as well as being strong. Um, and I think that's super cool. I love the next generation Klingons. And I feel like this book, I feel like, oh, I'm seeing that depth and that interesting culture being fleshed out more. Yeah. I don't know. You know I like Next Generation a lot. As, as do many in our group, and we'll see in our gameplay, Dave bringing in a lot of elements, like the, the particular weapons, and, and he loves that, um, the, the language and stuff. <laughs> Dave is amazing. So that's cool. Shout out to Dave. Dave. All right, I suggest we move on to our, our recap. And we can bring back in elements of like, ooh, this came from the novel or whatever. But Bef let's- uh, Before let's we move on, on if sure. dear, dear listeners, if you've read this book and want to tell us what you thought of it, please let us know. Um, I'd love to hear what our listeners think of this book as well. Oh, I just thought of two more elements of Clinton uh -oh. culture that they introduced. Okay, number one, the Black Fleet, ooh, right? Yeah. This idea of the afterlife. Um, it's very stark and very um, vivid, and it gives you really something to um, to um, when you're playing a Klingon. This thing um, to to sort of hang your your character on this idea of wanting that honorable death because that honorable death gives you this afterlife where you where you're just like joyously living this warrior life, um, and so that that's a really cool thing. And I think they brought that back in Discovery. I don't think they, they really touched on that until then. And then there's the idea of the naked stars, which I really loved. Ooh, the, this I idea love of anything too. done before the naked stars are remembered. And, um, and that's really cool. So if they're on that's a planet, a which is one. often cloudy, usually their main, their main planet. But when it's a clear sky, they do something like of great import. And, and that idea that, that the stars see it. So even though like um, it might not be remembered, in the history books or noticed by their society, which is very much like it has this whole idea of, of all their society being this chess game. Um, the stars will see it and the stars will remember. And it's just that to me, it's like, uh, you know, when you're looking out at the stars and you're seeing something from long, long ago. And if you theoretically had a good enough telescope, you could actually see like anything that happened on that planet far, far away. It's, it's like that just the idea of it being um, transmitted with light, you know what I mean? And like literally being able to be seen. Like you could see Alderaan years and years and years after it's exploded, you could still see it. There's that permanent record of everything that's happened on Alderaan just to, to dip into another franchise. Rude, but. get out of here. Get out of that <laughs> talk. <laughs> Sorry. No, that's a beautiful concept. It's a beautiful thing to think about in real life. Love it. 
A plus. It's a great it's a great science fiction novel just in its own right. It's great literature just in its own right. Mm -hmm. um, apparently, John M. Ford has written a lot of other stuff. I want to read because everything is supposedly good. So, awesome. check it out. Yeah. Let's recap. Hi, my name is John, and I play Cole Sutai Varsok, Captain. I am Eric, and I'm playing Kogrun Tai Ooze. I'm Sarah Nicole, and I'm playing Mogrilla Tai Zardox. I'm uh, Dave, and I'm playing uh, Commander Moog of the uh, House of Kokash. I'm April, and I'm playing Laishasa the Generous. I'm Aaron, and I'm playing Lieutenant Kak Tai Bals. I'm Ava, and I'm playing Lieutenant Keja Tai Zorus. We're not doing um, Starfleet, so there's no Commander's Log. Um, so we'll just like jump right in. Our adventure begins aboard the IKV Atropos. Its crew had had many glorious victories. It is now cruising along in Klingon space, nowhere near the Federation or Romulan or Kinshaya borders. Communications officer Keja Taijoris opened a video link to the captain's cabin. Hello, Captain? Yes. Oh, oh, sorry. I didn't, I didn't know you were in the back. Um, you, have, you have a coded message coming through from the Klingon home planet. Very good. Send it in. Captain Kul Sutai Varsak decoded the transmission and went to the bridge to enact his orders. Helm, please uh, put us on course to uh, head directly to Imperial Agri-Colony LGXT-455M. Uh, the native, native nomenclature is uh, Delarin 5. Um, also, uh, communications, when we arrive, please inform the local governor that we are here to inform a routine spot inspection. A meeting with all the officers was convened. Oh, this is, this is um, definitely serious. Uh, so we're going to go with the grape juice. Grape juice, classic. Yeah, serious. Yeah. Um, and so, as you've heard that we're heading to um, Delarin 5 um, for a routine spot inspection. So, we are to meet out um, into with this agent um, the second day on our visit uh, in the Capital City Marketplace at 1030 hours. Um, you, with usual identification papers, um, investigate the, we're to investigate the agent's claim. And if the situation warrants, Replace the local governor as a temporary mil as a temporary military governor and act to preserve order and report the situation. The agent's name is Avron Vestai uh, Levest. You know, it's an ag station, so what are they growing there? The main export is fruits, Dave. <gasps> Do you know anyone there? What's there that? Cool? Do I know anyone there? With my fruit connections? Uh, no, it's not a major colony. It's just kind of a, um, kind of a, a it's, it's chief crop is called Kala fruit, Q-A-L-A. -A. Not 80% of the crop goes to juice production. The local government, right? What is the race of yeah. the people? The, there is a, um, a, a native race mm -hmm. called the Delri, D-E-L-L-R-I. They are a mammalian humanoid species. 
so we'd say Klingonoid, but not specifically Klingonoid. They they walk upright on two legs. They have two arms and a head, and and uh, they're tall, average seven feet, and thin, with loose bluish white skin and deep set dark eyes. They are a perfect example of a Kuv race, vegetarians, nonviolent, mostly unconcerned about the Klingon occupation of their planet. Simple farmers and growers, they have only loose local governments and very little technology before the Klingon annexation over 30 years ago. They have proved trainable with more modern cultivation methods and productivity is fairly high at this time. So yeah, uh, so we're investigating the Imperial security reports of the native unrest. I think I think we should uh, pause and establish. Uh, so so Sarah Nicole, your character is Mogrilla. Yeah. And and she's a, a juice heiress. That's correct. I'm so excited for you there. <laughs> so hyped up for you to we have all. some connections. I think we all were. Nope. I, I think we're gonna we're gonna put all these character sheets up on the website i think it's important that our dear listeners go look at the pictures we chose from the internet oh, for all oh of our they're amazing mm, definitely yeah. what is yeah. your position on the on the crew me yeah oh, you're like the security. weapons off you're the security yeah. Mm-hmm. i think it was, yeah i think it was all muscles i think i rolled a really low intelligence score like really depressing so yeah, yeah. There you go. Oh, oh, I have a high charisma. Oh, engineer Eric just told me I had a high charisma and low intelligence. So we made me a juice heiress. Very rich dad. Yes, that's your connection. And so John, you're the captain. Dave is the science officer. Um, April has a um, an Orion character. I don't know if she's in. Was she in this episode? I guess we'll get there. Find out. (laughs) <laughs> I was um, communicating. I'm pretty sure my concert was right. uh, always with me. Oh, yes. April was John's consort. And <laughs> Ava was and, a communications officer, as we heard. Yeah. I don't think she comes until the next episode, mm-hmm. um, uh, April's character. But yeah. Who are you? Doctor. Oh, yeah. Eric's character is the doctor. Eric's the doctor. All right. The doctor in parentheses with my air quotes. <laughs> <laughs> well, to make a long story short, they arrived at the planet and they beamed down. There they were met by Governor Aluz Zantai Larix. My dear Captain Klull, I extend to you and to your top officers, of course, as the usual custom, to uh, join me for dinner. Of course. Oh, how could I say no? At the banquet, they got a chance to observe the native delry and meet some of the governor's staff. This is my, the chief of my personal Marine Guard detachment, Major Mike Vestai Vord. I love this. <clears throat> Mike Ford, that's John M. Ford. He went by the name of Mike Ford in his real life. So they inserted him into the thing as Major Mike, spelled M-A-I-K. So I didn't even catch this until I said it out loud. Mike Vestai Vord. Vestai is like an honorific. That's perfect. And in the novel, this is really cool. In the novel, there's a, 
There's a helmsman, Clemore, communications officer, Craig, and navigator, Keypool. And that's Guy McLemore, Greg Paline, and Dave Teepool. So he inserted <laughs> them into his novel. Fun. So cool. So Captain Clull obviously challenged uh, Mike Ford to a, a duel. Perfect. He takes his arm and like sweeps one of the tables clean and like steps up on it as a, as a makeshift <laughs> stage. Bare hands, Captain, and teeth. Oh, of course. The the winner shall be the one who throws the other off the table. Okay. <laughs> All right. I will bet fifty credits against the captain. Uh, I will. I will uh, um, bet on the captain. John, what was your roll? What was your total? Sixteen total. Okay. Yeah, I got a, a two. He has a very bad luck modifier, so you throw him off the table. <laughs> You could yeah. you could tell he's got good strength, uh, and, you know, just from like you guys grapple for a while, snarling and you know whatever, roaring and shit, and um, but uh, you you uh, you trip him or whatever, you get the first attack in with your your slightly better dexterity, slightly better strength, and whatever. You just just all in all a very superior Klingon, full of Klin. And awesomeness. So we're in the military. You throw them off the table. The Navy. There's lots of lots of loud roars and people drinking and exchanging yep. money. Yeah, apparently. So then I get down. I uh, of course I I help him up and and congr- and congratulate him on his strength and you know. Yeah. We were escorted to some rather Spartan guest quarters. Science officer Amog Vestai Kolkash. Thought he would stay ahead of the curve. I scan the room for uh, listening devices, monitoring devices. There are, of course, uh, multiple cameras and uh, listening devices. Are you, are you super obvious about it, though, Dave? They don't like when you're super obvious about it. <laughs> <laughs> Keja wanted to test whether she was free to come and go. She went out of the room. The guard checks you out. Oh, he's checking me out. Is he hot? No. Oh. That's okay. Don't judge. He's kind of—he's a little bit, bit on the pudgy side. Kind of grins at you stupidly. Mm-hmm. So, Are you uh, with the Warp Four Club? <laughs> the Warp Four Club. <laughs> <laughs> we have orders to keep you safe through the night, so you must remain here. Oh, so you can come with me then. Uh, if, uh, if you insist, I can, I can summon my commander. To, to help you. Oh, a real man. <laughs> uh, well. <laughs> Weapons officer Magrilla Ty Zardox decided to get in on the fun. I'm coming out too. Do I see her? Yeah, you do, but you have your guard on your door too. Oh, shit. It's like, whoa. Whoa. <laughs> hey. Pardon me. Whoa. Boobies <laughs> McGee. That's me, baby. <laughs> I got a huge charisma, so it's all in my boobs. Major. Wait. Uh, they, oh, the, shit. The, there's a bit of a disturbance here. Disturbance? Uh, yes, there's, there's, there's just boobies everywhere. It's, it's awful. <laughs> awful. Eventually, the guards agreed to fetch the females some juice. They slept well that night. 
The next day, Claw, Kasia, and Magrilla wandered the marketplace till they were approached by their Imperial Intelligence contact, Avarn. Avarn told them of a recent explosion which took place at a remote juice factory. <laughs> he suspected it was not an accident, but rather sabotage by the natives. Because of this, he said, the governor sadly appears to be incompetent to prevent an uprising and must be replaced. Last night, there was another explosion at one of the other facilities. I assume the governor told you about that. He has not. He did not. No. There was an explosion at one of the, at the other remote plant. Two Klingons and several Delry were killed. The plant is shut down. I've not had time to get out to the site. All right, so there's three plants total on this planet. One here in the city and two remote plants. The, the first explosion happened in one of the remote plants. This second explosion has happened in, in the other remote plant. The city's next. Uh-oh. Indeed. At that very moment, a Mog and medical officer Kogrun Taiuz, escorted by Anto, the governor's agricultural assistant, were at the, that third juice factory, the one in the city, performing an inspection as part of their cover. You know, we're here to, to inspect the uh, agricultural op- operations, so I'd like to, you know, see where, where the product's coming in, how it's processed, how it's turned into juice, and see the juice at the out- outlet. So they were going along with the inspection, and they were on like a catwalk above a giant boiling vat, which always ends well, when suddenly... There's a loud explosion behind the inspection group. The rear end of the catwalk suddenly sags several feet, throwing about. Both of the Delry foremen lose their footing entirely and slide off the tilting catwalk, screaming into the hot vat below. Everybody roll a, roll a, a luck, uh, a saving throw, modified by your, your dex modifier. Oh, no. To avoid falling into the vat. Several Klingons and Delry do fall into the vat, dramatically suffering horrible injuries and deaths. But Amog and Kogroon did successfully cling on to the catwalk. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, shoot. I'm going to um, make my way over to the foundry to where the governor's going to be. Okay. I demand answers. What is this explosion? Okay. Uh, I will also order security detail down into the facility um, to um, hold it all off uh, and um, begin our own investigation. Meanwhile, Keja and Magrilla, accompanied by Avarn and his land speeder, go to check out the remote juice factory where there had been an explosion the previous night. There they discovered bits of a plastic putty-like material near the base of the damaged tank. Get that sample to the ship right away. Okay. I'll go, should I beam up? Yep. Cool. Um, then I take some more pictures with my boob bra. <laughs> all right. So we'll all beam up. Is that cool, Captain? Yep. Cool. We go up there, and then I get the film from my boob bra analyzed, and this thing analyzed. Back in the factory in the city. I want to scan for... Um, the same substance that the other crew found. Like, you know how they must came. I want to do the same thing. Okay, so you're going like around the catwalk and whatnot. 
Mm-hmm. I'm looking for plastic-like putty. Correct. Yes. All right, you do indeed find some clinging to the metal on, on the severed section. Around where the explosion was? Eric, you find a, a small piece of regularly shaped black plastic inscribed with the word Tethon. I see it. I know what it means. I'm not there, so I'm not going to tell anyone. Passage time. of time. Did we get the putty analysis deck? Yeah, we'll also yeah. send up, um, I want to send up that piece as well, that plastic. My theory at the beginning was that this guy wanted to make war or something exciting happen on the planet because he wants to continue his line. So that's my theory. I'm saying it now. We're thinking it's the governor. Yeah. He's trying to instigate shit. Try to hide the fact near the plants. Okay, guys. Lying. He's a liar. Liar. Hmm. Without honor. Varn too urges Captain Klull to mount a military coup before the governor takes steps to hold his position through military force. Under their watch, they have become lazy and allowing this to happen. That's what I was thinking anyway. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate the info. So I will gather um, all our officers and our security detail. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, you gather all your personnel from the ship? Yep, we make our way to the, the governor. Oh, we're going to do it? Oh, shit. We failed to clean on Empire. Oh, my gosh. I will die with honor. I'll have my order. Join the Black Fleet. So, John, you're not waiting for the evidence to come in. Oh. Well, no, I want to wait for the evidence to come in. Right, but I need, it, I John. need it set up. Not being very oh, decisive sorry. there. All right, beep, 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 beep. Wait. Um, Captain, analysis has, has come back. Very good. Analysis complete. Please do me a favor and have the crew, um, you guys can do me a favor. I'd like you to round up um, Anto, um, ours, Mike, and the governor all together. Meanwhile, right. John, you're beaming up to the ship. Yeah, to get the details. Unfortunately, the study came back rather inconclusive. Yeah, I just want to know, uh, before I go back down to the ship, I want to do a little more research on Avarn um, and some yeah. of his history and background. Do you want to look at that phrase and see if it's a motto of a house? Or I don't know, that's the guess. Tethon is not only a word about passage of time. There's also something else. <gasps> what, what is that? There's a company called Tethon Chronometer Works. And, oh, and, and interestingly, John, since you were looking up, what's his face? Avarn. Mike or Anto Avarn? Yeah. yeah. The Levest family owns this Tethon Chronometer Works. Meanwhile, Mogrilla rounded up all the NPCs and convened a showdown at the Baths. Okay, there so John, go. are you joining everybody now? I sure am. Bring your shit. You beam straight into the bath, like. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. Power move. Okay, great. I do. You just make yeah. a grand entrance, just like you're standing there, like this. You just like <laughs> beam it into the water, like you had them like pouring water on you before you were beaming, so you're just like you're just just glistening great with water. 
they yeah, beam the water into. They look amazing. <laughs> they look amazing. Yeah, you had yourself <laughs> waxed before. So, Dave, okay. you want to check the? You want to be sneaky, sneak? Yep. Yeah, yeah. I can. I can go check the the room. I've got my full array of uh of uh <clears throat> detectors and and. Okay. And Ava, you've been there before. Remember? <gasps> Ava, that's right. So you know how to get yeah. there. Why don't yeah. you take Dave over there? All right. Take Dave. I'm gonna go. So I'm. All right. You guys go to. <laughs> you guys go to Avarn's uh, room while he's detained in the bath with no knowledge that he's under suspicion and you bust down the door. Amok and Keja threaten Avarn's Delry servant with agonizers and he spills the whole conspiracy. The piece that they found was from a Tithan. Is that how I say it, Philip? Is that right? Tithan is what I... Tithan. Well, anyway, it's from a chronometer that he had repurposed for timing the bomb and Anto was in on it. They all get the evidence they need to confirm their theory. The crew discussed whether to arrest the traitor or just execute him on the spot. Klingons don't put Klingons in jail, so... Yeah, I want to kill him. Yeah, 100%. Oh, you want to do it? Yeah, of course. Boom, yeah. boom. <laughs> The crew thought the adventure was interesting, but not violent enough. So, um, Sarah Nicole. Yeah. You ready to do this? Hand to hand, right? Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, right? You want to duke it out, man. The captain always fights. Captain yeah. loves to fight. Captain's just, like, yeah, dude. What are you fighting over? Just, just to fight. Fight. Okay. Thinks it's tough shit, so. Kloll knocks down Magrilla. And then knocks down Amog just for fun, ending the night undefeated. Yay! <laughs> All right, you guys. That was kind of a, a, a speed through recap, I guess. There was a lot of, um, well, it was, an, it was sort of a, a mystery, right? A lot of investigation, a lot of discussion of motives and trying to suss out sort of information. Yeah, I definitely um, didn't didn't really, you know, suspect a Varn um, at first, right? Didn't even, hadn't even crossed my mind till later down the road. So it was a fun little kind of twist to it, you know? Well, John, we got to put you on trial, bro. Just <laughs> I don't Every know, it never happens in the show. Like, <clears throat> the, the superior advanced alien species always put the humans on trial to see if they're worthy and okay. there was a sort of test that the Klingons would like obviously fail. So I always wonder like what would happen if if like these if these species put Klingons on trial. I guess they do a narrative mercy. Honestly, okay. So so one thing in my defense before we get into it, right, mm -hmm. with the um with the the um oh gosh, what was it? it was the um hold on bear with me. You could cut this. Indecisiveness. Yes, there you go. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> no, listen. I I assumed that I had already received the information um, about what we were, um, you know, how we were waiting for the information to get back to us before we went and convened. I assumed that we had already got it when I had said to go. So it wasn't being indecisive. I just didn't realize that you're like this. I was like, oh well, yeah, I want to wait. So, yeah, there were, there are a couple of moments there though. Well, I think I think a good a good portion of the game session, if I recall correctly, was like, <laughs> we should go for it. Should we? I don't know. Maybe not. 
Yeah, I was. I mean, I don't know. It was. It was in uh, there. Is in there in the order? Is they had to be decisive. Yeah. Sure. Well, that was. It was my first time being um, the clean on captain. You know, so it was a little. It took me a minute to try to figure out as well of what would be the right decision that the Klingon would make, you know? Because most of the times in our adventures, I'm the guy who's pulling the lever, pushing the buttons, right? But as time has gone on, I've become a little more cautious, right? Um, mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't pull the lever or touch the box that shoots everybody with lightning and then glows red and then <laughs> touches it again. Hates everyone with fire. Like, Let's see more situations that actually happened that John instigated. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was a couple, right? Just one or two. So, so over the years, I kind of got got where I'm not so so um, outgoing, and so it was a little difficult to actually become decisive now after all that, you know. So, you know, I'll give in. I'll give in. I get it. I kind of went back and forth on some things, um, like whether or not to take them over or not. Because part of me thought the idea of just taking it over would be super fun, right? Yeah. But then the other part of me is like, that's not logical because you don't have evidence to show as as of yet, like full. And it's like, I don't know, part of me again was just thought it would be a lot of fun if we just took over and just like, let's go. When we play art, go ahead. You. I think you'd be making those decisions that like this would just be fun. That makes it fun for everybody. I don't want you to ever stop doing that. Don't be cautious. Don't think about logic. Just fucking pull the lever. That's what we live oh. for. Yeah, but then everybody dies and the night starts over again. Yeah. <laughs> I got, and then I, got I end up on characters. trial. <laughs> You're going to end up on trial no matter what. So you better just like, get used to it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm on trial. The John segment, John on trial. John, John yeah, on trial. Like, what did John do this time? Oh my god! This is this is in. more of what did John not do this time? <laughs> right? Yeah. I feel like Ava, you're punishing you, John for not being John. Ava, what do you think mm -hmm. about John's remark about what would how would Klingons act in a, in a situation? Yeah, I mean, it is. It's very interesting having read the book now to see how they would act in different situations because they're not so just straight up evil anymore like how I would thought they'd be they they do use a lot of logic and a lot of reasoning and it's it's tricky to to do that and I think you handled that pretty well John for being a captain for the first time um, obviously, you had a lot of fun with it, and I had a lot of fun with that as well. Um, yeah, so, yeah I, I really enjoyed you seeing as a, a Klingon captain. I was expecting a bit more chaos, but Klingons, they're not, they're still not chaotic. So I think overall, it, it, was, it went well. I hope I that think, made sense. Yeah, I think there's this perception of like, well, Starfleet, you have to be by the book and follow mm -hmm. all the general orders and stuff. And like, for God's sake, let's just be Klingons so we can just do whatever the beep we want. <laughs> and it's yeah, not they're... really like that, is it? it? There's there's some sense of like you got to make the right decision because you're going to be held responsible. All right. the the good guys and the bad guys have families, and they have political connections. Juice um, empires, right? Yeah. 
Hey, look, so, I mean, we've got plenty of precedent for Kirk and all of them breaking Starfleet rules all the time, right? And that's what right. made good TV, right? Is having a set of rules that we're balking against or fighting against, right? That's what makes interesting television. And the fact that he was a conflicted, not conflicted, but that he had moral uh, arguments, right? That was fun to watch. And the same thing here. I think it's interesting putting John, who is usually our chaotic element in a leadership role in a different alien race, right? And that was a lot to throw at you, John. And I thought you handled it really well. And you being cautious was also you figuring out some of what this universe meant and how playing this new kind of thing was. I personally went from playing to, to Prue to playing a really unintelligent by my role brawny person who had little to contribute in the way of um mystery solving right because i even you heard me say my character's not there i'm gonna shush right that was yeah. a big change for me and how figuring out how do i play this where it's fun it's klingon it's not to prove right and still enjoy myself as a player character so i if we're putting john on trial i don't think he deserves to be on trial I absolve him of all his sins. Not guilty. As usual. I'm going to second that, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, it, there's an interesting thing in the book where there's a mutiny, right? And it's uh, Kren's on the ship and, and he has his first officer who's the science officer and he's saying, you know, we got to execute somebody and it's got to be somebody high rank that we have to scapegoat because if it's anyone lower rank, then we look incompetent, right? And so that was a whole big thing in this adventure was John was making the case, even if the governor is innocent, he's incompetent. And yep. I think because it, it ends up being someone super high up um, or super um, well-connected or important on the planet who's behind all this that, that made all this stuff happen they kind of have to give him a pass a bit. You have to give the governor a pass um, because, you know, not just automatically incompetent just because someone's trying to sabotage you. I think that's more or less where you guys landed. Yep. It was interesting. We worked through that whole same sort of set of questions. Um, yeah, it was, it was an interesting adventure. John, you are free, I guess. Since you voted yourself innocent, <laughs> always vote you innocent. Um, yep. And I always will. Yeah, because <laughs> I just heard more chaos is um, so. Yeah, hey, it makes the game more fun. And really, when it all comes down to it, we're playing a game. Yeah, it's a big improv exercise, and we have rules we got to follow. But okay, know. but if the night ends short, I mean, I guess I'll be back on here. Hey. I spoiler alert for the future we you know we record these episodes but we're playing our gameplay ahead you know so we have already played more than you dear listeners have heard about right just so we can produce podcasts mm. um, and we started a gameplay session last week where the first thing our game master said to us was how attached are you to your characters Mm -hmm. Like, do you care if we kill if I kill everybody? Curious. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, we're all going into it knowing that this is all ephemeral. Anybody could die at any moment <laughs> for any reason that Phil decides. 
I know, and I get nervous. I've got a red shirt. (laughs) Yep. There, um, there's a lot of interesting things in this module. It was a little bit, so there's always that thing. It seems like in so many of these modules where you beam down to a planet and there's like that scene where you are all put down to sleep for the night in the compound of the palace or whatever it is. And that's always just this, like this bottleneck that you just have to kind of get through. And, and you guys are always trying to like, you know, I don't want to go to sleep. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah. I want to like scout out the town and like, uh, yeah. you know, test like the guards and, and do stuff. I don't want to necessarily go down for, to go to sleep for the night. And sometimes in the module it'll say, well, there's a way you can maybe do that, but you're not really meant to. And, but we all seem to spend like a good half hour on those sort of situations. I think learning of guards. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's important. I think you need a, like a safe word when it's just time for us to leave it and move on or we're never going to get through the module. Let's and do pineapple say, juice. Yeah, just say pineapple juice and we'll all be like, okay, cool. We'll just go to sleep. Well, I'll sometimes say like, let's move along. But then Aaron will say, choo-choo, I guess. And I'm like, damn it. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> no, you're right, though. You're right to test all those sort of uh, those uh, moments and try and try and see, look for the secret doors, as it were, and not just accept the situation you're put in. I agree with you 100%. But the modules don't always give you something very interesting to do there. But there are a lot of cool scenes with like going out to the one plant and, and looking around, going to the other plant where they're you actually almost fall um, fall into the vat yourselves because the explosion happens at the wrong time. And just trying to figure out who all was involved with that, who the accomplices and going out. Like when you guys called the meeting and you called it in the baths and and then you had someone else go and investigate the guy's house while everyone was rounded up, you know, um, that was all great. I loved how that all played out. Yeah, I did too. The bath was nice. It was warm. <laughs> it was comfortable. Glistening. Everybody. Epic. Yeah, everybody was comfortable. That was for so good a, talk. Good meeting. A lot of beaming up and down to the ship, sending stuff up to the ship. I liked that. Very Star Trekky. Um, some cruising around the planet, and yeah, all in all, a very interesting adventure. Um, and one thing it didn't do is it didn't throw you against the Federation. I think that'd be a kind of a, a harder uh, situation to play with mm-hmm. when you're playing Klingon characters is to be like, all right, now go kill humans. Like, oh, I, I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> but it did throw something kind of um, uncomfortable about you, at you where there are native, like there's the natives of the planet and they're like, they're the slaves of the Klingons. And there's this whole question of like, are they actually, are they behind all the sabotage because they're, they're fighting for their freedom? And you, you might naturally assume that they are and sort of feel like, well, because we're humans, this is how we think. If they're slaves and they're, they're trying to be free, let's help them for God's sake. But that's not an aspect of the module. And so that's, that's what I think we mm-hmm. would think of as problematic to say the least um thought-provoking um certainly uh, but the module doesn't really um give a very satisfactory answer to that it's just like nope nope those are kuv and that's how kuv are they're 
happy to just be there on the planet and and um, be farmers and they're not really interested in um, doing an uprising. So it's just Klingon versus Klingon. That's all you have to deal with. Yeah, I definitely um, had a moment where you, you do suspect the, the coup uh, for causing the explosions and so forth. And, and then you're like, oh, no, it's, I mean, like you said earlier, it still comes down to guy in charge not doing his job. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> Nerds. Well, Nerds. I think we said about all that that can be said about this. Like, I, I don't know if I mentioned that this this was published in 1984 as part of the Klingons um, supplement, and the supplement came with two two adventures. We'll review the next one next week, but this one was by Guy McLemore one of our favorite authors. And and really, I think, um, a good intro to playing Klingon characters, um, sort of a, an, an easy situation to grok, or not always easy to grok, but, but it gives you just enough to kind of work through and figure out how to play. Um, so that said, let's move on and do our Warp Factor scores. Let's do it. Right, John, we're going to start with you, man. What do you have to give us your score and tell us what you thought about it? Okay, everyone, you know what? I'm I'm a I'm a giver. You know, I enjoyed this. Um, You're a generous person. I am. So I'm gonna. I mean, I'm I'm gonna go with the ten because wow. I know I know, guys. I what? had a, I had a lot of fun with this adventure as being the captain, figuring it all out, right? But so some of this, when I think of the module in it run, I think of, you know, because a lot of the flavor and the flair that we add as a group make the adventures a lot of fun for me, right? And so um, it's hard for me to judge the module itself because, you know what I mean? I I haven't sat and read it like you guys have, right? So I just am running through the adventure in the night. So like... So I'm going to always probably be a little higher just because I'm just a guy having fun in the adventure. And so um, so that's why I get a 10 because um, I had a super fun night. Fantastic. I love it. Well, Ava, what do you say? I definitely had a lot of fun with it. Um, really went outside the box from what I would normally do. Um we had a lot of fun little inside jokes there. Uh, but yeah, uh, I mean, the, the storyline was good. There was, there was a lot of going on. There's a bit of a mystery. Um, yeah, I'd probably give it a, a seven or an eight. Um, wow. yeah, it was, it was, it was well-rounded. It was fun to play. Uh, could it be more? Yeah. But, I think overall, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Awesome. Sarah Nicole? Um, I had fun. I liked it. I thought the mystery was pretty pretty okay. You know, I love a mystery. I think for me, I'm going to get a six, which is not a bad score for me at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give it a five. You guys know I'm I'm not as generous a giver as John in my scores. <gasps> Noted. Noted. I like to leave myself some wiggle room. 
Yeah, it, it's a five. It was a solid module, a fun adventure. Kind of, um, I didn't mention this before, but it it didn't give us a lot of maps to play with. So maps always mm -hmm. help me imagine it better and bring it to life better. But um, yeah, like I said before, it did everything it needed to do. It gave us something solid to play that I thought was a really good introductory Klingon module. It gave us a lot of opportunity to use a lot of the flavor that we took from the books. And the really cool thing about this, you guys, if you think about the franchise of Star Trek, up until this point, all the shows, the cartoons, the movies, the books, all the adventures that we played up until this point, all assume Kirk, Spock, and McCoy aboard the Enterprise. That was Star Trek. This book, The Final Reflection, and this adventure, The Natural Order, were the first to break, break off from that mold. To, to do, as it were, a spin-off series. Um, and so it's super awesome to kind of experience that, to live that, you know, like this is our way of being part of that series. In fact, the only way anyone could really be part of that series, apart from just reading the novel, um, and I guess other Klingon-based novels after that. But 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 there was a no the novel and then these adventures came out pretty much at the same time and, and were meant to tie into each other. And that's super cool. I thought it was great that we we all took it upon ourselves to read the novel. I really thank you guys for being game to do that because that let us really infuse the flavor of it into this adventure as it was meant to be and to really understand what the module was going for on its own terms. So that worked out really great. I highly recommend anyone um, looking to do uh, like a little Klingon campaign to do that. Of course, you could yeah. um, all agree on, on Next Generation uh, episodes or whatever to to watch to all get in on the same flavor as well but you know you know i'm the books guy and i, I really love that book oh i think a book is worth it i really do and i wouldn't recommend our dear listeners waste their time with something that was nonsense right i thought the book was a delight i enjoyed it i do not think it was a waste of time i think it was wonderful and I think there's if you're listening to this thing right now, right? If you're listening to us talk about Star Trek, then you're a fan and you might as well go read this book if you haven't already. Well, and uh, it's funny, everyone talks about reading books. And so I want to make a confession. I, um, I don't like to read books. Uh, Phil has tried to get me to read books for years uh, and had to no success, right? Just not a fan. Uh, I don't know. It's something where like when people read, when I read a book and people talk about the, their imagination runs wild with it. I, like, I don't get it. I just see words. And so uh, Phil was fantastic enough to create an audio book for me for this so I could listen. So it's, it was kind of great. I actually really enjoyed it. It was very, like, I, I, you know, I mean, listening to you as a dungeon master for years, you know, I kind of was like, I didn't mind. It was cool. It was awesome. And so I really appreciate it. I don't know if you're going to post it, but you know, I don't think, I don't think I can, um, <laughs> but we can do that, but no, it, it was a fun thing to do for my own enjoyment. Also, I don't think it's like up to snuff um, in quality, but as a, as just a homebrew thing that we did for, for each other. Yeah, dude. <laughs> it's love, I, I listen. I listen to it myself too. <laughs> I just love it. Oh man. Yeah, great book. 
Yeah, there's different different people. Um, their imaginations work different ways. I feel like for some people, they read a book and then they watch um, like the, a movie version come comes out and they're like, wow, it has now been really brought to life. And for me, it's like almost the other way around. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I watch the the Star Wars movies and then I read like some of the Star Wars novels that, you know, continue with the characters. And then for me, now they're really brought to life in a way they weren't before. So it's just different minds work different ways and you know different things work better in different uh media anyway that's okay well that's our review of the natural order and we hope you like what you heard you did please subscribe and leave a review on itunes or go visit us on our social media on twitter or instagram or join our patreon because it really helps us out and please, we would love to hear from you. If you can go to our website at www.rpgpopclub.com or email us at rpgpopclub at gmail.com. It's .com, yes. <laughs> Let us know what you thought. <laughs> or if there's any, any, uh, any module or anything you'd like for us to review, uh, hearing from you always really char- recharges our batteries. So we love it. Thank you. And check Bye. out... Check out our new logo and stuff on our website. Oh, yeah. So we've done a lot of work on there. I should plug um, Danielle Morales' design. You can find her on Instagram. We plugged her on our Instagram page. She designed a beautiful new logo and branding for us. And she is a genius and was able to read our mind when we gave her really terrible directions and information. (laughs) So if you need a logo or branding, please go to her again. Danielle Morales' design. You can uh, find her on Instagram. Speaking mm-hmm. of plugs, do we want yeah. to allow hmm. our guests to plug whatever they have going on? Definitely. Go ahead, John. Well, of course, right? So uh, you can find me uh, on TikTok and Instagram as Invulnerable Justice, um, doing a bunch of uh, costumes. In fact, uh, some really cool news. I've been waiting and waiting, um, and my Loki costume is almost done and it'll be here next week or so so right in time for the movie kind of go along with it it should be pretty cool Ava anything you'd like to pug <laughs> funny that you say that um, yeah I don't have cool superhero costumes but I do work with animals so if you want to see all that fun adventures you can follow me on Instagram at Ava's Animals so, Very good. It's not dot com. It's not dot com. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh. Um, guys, we love having you. Thank you for being here. We appreciate you. Yes. Thanks for having us. Hey, Phil, what module are we doing next week? Yeah. Next week, we're doing the other module that came in this uh, Klingon set. It's called Intrusion. Ooh. And we're going to watch the Enterprise Incident Ooh, very uh, good. for that. No more um, readings. Oh, I I just don't think I don't think we will do any more reading for Star Trek. I don't know if any of any other um, novels, which were kind of like influential outside themselves, in the way that this one was. I think we're more or less going back to watching the episodes, which is something we want to do anyway. That's fun too. Does, oh, has yeah. anybody reviewed these? Uh, no. Um, you heard it here came, first, everybody. <laughs> yeah, these came in a set, and people would would 
tended to review the the rule book, the source book, the uh, the combat rules that came in it, you know. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, you know, I honestly, I barely read the the source book. Didn't really seem necessary to me, but reading the novel um, got me there much faster, much more um, immersively uh, into into the genre. So, do let's you guys looking forward to watching the Enterprise Incident? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Fantastic. All right. <laughs> hey, thank you again for being here. We love yep. you, John and Eva. All right, guys. Yep. See you next week. Bye. 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 Yeah.